Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us as we take a look at the book. I enjoy studying God's prophetic word, and I'm sure you do as well, because that's why you've joined us today as we look at Esau and the Palestinians. Now, that's the title of a five-hour audio series that I have on CD, available to you, by the way. In a moment, I'll tell you how you can get your copy. But we're going to study from that series, from Malachi to Matthew. There was 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, from Malachi to Matthew. It's a very important study. You need to understand what went on during that time and how from Malachi to Matthew, the Bible is bridged by the final prophecy in the Old Testament. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. I want to remind you that you can get your copy of Esau and the Palestinians, and I'll tell you all about that after we have our study. But right now, let's study from Malachi to Matthew. But there, in addition to that, there were two prophecies that had to be fulfilled during that period of time. Go to the book of Obadiah with me. Two prophecies, and they relate to our two characters we're studying. The two prophecies, one of them for Esau and his descendants, and one for Jacob and his descendants. In the book of Obadiah, we're going to see this first prophecy that had to be fulfilled. Now, we've looked at some of it already. I'll just rehearse a bit again uh, some of the information that is there between Jonah and Amos. Obadiah. You look like you have, uh, is that a Schofield Bible? It's page 941. <laughs> You're welcome. Obadiah. The vision, chapter, uh, verse 1. I started to say chapter. It's, it's, it's only uh, 21 verses. Verse 1. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a rumor from the Lord, an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen, thou art greatly despised. And now he gives the first reason that they are going to be destroyed. The very first reason that God is going to destroy the Edomites in Petra, which is their headquarters, is because of their pride. And we talked about this when we were talking about the impregnable city of Petra. The fact is that they could live in the clefts of the rock. They could live on the peaks of the mountains in the city, this impregnable 25-square-mile city that had only one entrance, a seek that was very narrow, 8 feet to 30 feet at its, high, its largest width and anywhere from three to 500 feet high. And he said, thy pride, because you can go out. They would go out to the king's highway, which came right by, attack the traders that were traveling that trade route up into Syria. And they would come back in with the merchandise, and they would come in chasing them, and they could stop them and kill them. So they were very proud. Nobody could take them. They lived in this impregnable city. It's the most unique city in all the world. And that's where they live. God said, I'm going to bring you down because of your pride. Then look what it says in verse 10. Here's the second reason for their judgment pronounced upon them. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, you're going to be wiped out. Remember what, uh, what God told Rebekah, the elder is going to serve the younger. Remember what Isaac told Esau, 
when he demanded he have a, bl a blessing from his father. You're going to live by the sword. You're going to serve your brother. He's going to be Lord over you. But you will break his yoke off of you. Because thy violence against thy brother, there's going to be judgment upon you. Between, chapter, I mean, between verse 10 and verse 14, you can read it later. I won't take the time, but it talks about an event in history that, and it alludes to it here, the prophecy is that what happened in 586, you might remember Nebuchadnezzar came three times, three waves into Jerusalem. First time he comes in 605 B.C., he takes Daniel, the three Hebrew children, what? Well, that's his ungodly name. Hazariah, Michelle, and Anna and I was their godly names. Anyway, if you want to talk ungodly, it's all right with me. <laughs> Love it when a plan comes together. Um, he took the three Hebrew children and, and he took uh, Daniel out, 605. 597, he comes back, he picks up Ezekiel and about 10,000 more Jews and take them to the Chabar River, which is a tributary off uh, the Euphrates River, just at the city of Babylon. Then he comes back in 586, he devastates the city, destroys the temple, but he doesn't destroy the temple. After he devastates the city, captures all the Jewish people, and it got so bad, Ezekiel prophesied it would happen, they turned to cannibalism. Fathers were eating their children. Children were eating their fathers. They were starving to death. It was a terrible siege. And while this siege was going on, all the enemies of Israel were standing around watching Nebuchadnezzar in his victory over the Jewish people. And uh, everybody was cheering them all. Man, that's great, Nebuchadnezzar. Do it. Nebuchadnezzar stopped and said, hey, who would like to destroy the temple? All of them raised their hands. They cast a lot. It says it right there in Obadiah. They cast a lot, and the lot fell on the Edomites. And the Edomites had the privilege, so-called privilege, of destroying the temple. Destroying God's temple. Now let me remind you of something. The Babylonians are going to be as Sodom and Gomorrah. Chapters 50 and 51 of the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 51, I think it is, verse 29 or 50, 29, I can't remember, says that you're going to be as Sodom and Gomorrah because of what you did at the temple. What did they do at the temple? They simply took the utensils out. Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, was having a drunken ball the night that the handwriting was on the wall using those utensils, those implements that were used to do the sacrificial activities and the worship at the temple. And... Babylon is going to be destroyed as if they were Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll see that the Edomites are going to be destroyed as Sodom and Gomorrah as well. The only two peoples that will be totally devastated. All the rest of them are going to come back. Egypt will be destroyed, but then brought back. Syria will be destroyed, but then brought back. Libya will be destroyed, but then brought back. Turkey will be destroyed, but then brought back. Not the Babylonians, modern-day Iraq, and the Edomites. But they are going to be destroyed because they destroyed the temple of God. Listen to me. You don't mess with God and get away with it. You do not mess with God and get away with it. They're going to be destroyed. Well, they were run out of Petra. How did this happen? Go to verse 7 of Obadiah. How did it happen? 
All the men, we read this the other day, all the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread hath laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in them. What happened? 500 years, approximately 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the Nebataeans who came out of what we know today as Saudi Arabia. At that time it was Arabia. Nebataeans are descendants of a man named Ishmael. Ishmael, 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, goes to Arabia. And that's the only, listen to me, that's the only Arab peoples he fathered. He, didn't fa he is not the father of the Arab world. That is a total lie out of the pit, propagated by non-believers, basically. Gentiles, most of them Arabs. You see, the Arab world didn't come from Father Abraham. Didn't come from Ishmael. Let me give you a perfect illustration. Ishmael's father was Abraham. His mother was Hagar, the Egyptian handmaiden. Ishmael sure didn't father the Egyptians. His mother was an Egyptian. Uh, Whose was uh, Mizram is the grandson of Noah, who came on the scene 500 years before Abraham was ever around the world. Nimrod, he went to Babylon and established the Iraqi people 500 years before Abraham was ever on the scene. Ham had Cush, a grandson of Noah, who became Ethiopian Sudan. Ham also had Put, who became Libya. You see how I'm developing the Arab world? 500 years before Abraham came, Ishmael was not the father of the Arab world. He fathered one nation. Look in the Word of God. It says he will have what God said, you will be the father of one nation, not a host of nations. Had 12 sons. There were 12 tribes. That is the Hishamite kingdom today. That's where King Hussein came from, who headed up his kingdom there in Jordan until his death. And so Abraham, not the father of the Arab world, Ishmael, not the father of the Arab world. And so here it is, these Nebataeans coming from Ishmael. They come into, by the way, Esau, if you read back the 36th chapter of Genesis, Esau married a daughter of Ishmael. And therefore he brought the two lines together. But the Nebataeans now, coming from Ishmael, descendants of Ishmael, come into Petra. They come because they have a connection. They come in. It says your confederacy is joined together. You come in. They're having a big banquet in Petra, this impregnable city. The Edomites have let them come in through the sea. They're in there having this meal. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Nebataeans turn on the Edomites and start killing them. Oh, I forgot to tell you, that prophecy made by Obadiah was made 700 B.C., 200 years before it was fulfilled, exactly in minute, perfect detail. 
And that prophecy took place during those 500 silent years, and it had to happen during that period of time. And so that prophecy is now fulfilled. What happened to them? Some of them escaped. They ran out the seek. When they got out the seek, they turned west. They're surely not going to go east. That's where the rest of the Nabataeans live. They start going west. They cross the Arava or the Jordan Valley. They come into southern Judah and they change their names to Edomians, which is the Greek way to say Edomites. Edomians. Well, hang right there. That story is to be continued later. I got him in southern Judah at least, the rest of that story, as Paul Harvey says. I'm so glad that you could spend a few moments with us studying the Word of God. Would you like to have your own copy of this five-hour audio series entitled Esau and the Palestinians? It's on CD, so you can use it at home or in the car as you travel. Again, the title, Esau and the Palestinians. If you'd like to make your order, we have a toll-free number that you can call and tell the people that answer, hey, you want to order Esau and the Palestinians. That toll-free number is 877-674-3298. It's toll-free from across America, so feel free to use that phone number. Again, 877-674-3298. Or remember, you can go to our website and order from our shopping mall. The address of our website, Prophecy Today. Thanks again for joining us for this Bible study together from the prophetic passages of God's Word, which continue to help us understand the times in which we're living. And those times seem to indicate to us from God's Word and current events unfolding that will be setting the stage for these prophecies that we've been studying together, that we're quickly approaching the time when Christ will come back. The rapture, the next main event in God's calendar of activities when he calls us up in the heavenlies to be with him forevermore. That event could happen in the next moment. And the truth is, after saying that, what else is there for me to say except let's keep looking up until... 